last time on Base Funk. Ernest was uh, some sort of priest. He came from the far north. He was ran out. He came to seek refuge in the Aurora. Can you tell us anything about the magic of that mask other than the whole making you not look like a squid person thing? <laughs> it's effectively, if I'm not mistaken, similar to like a polymorph spell, if I'm not mistaken. What deity did Ernest follow? Uh, it's going to be the Ice God. Yep. About Lady Nim and about our plans to assassinate her. Oh, God. Okay. We cannot, under any circumstances, fight her in her office. There's something that devils have called a true name, but if we get that, our chances go from like 1% to like 100. Yo, this is like a weird ghosty controlly spell. It might corrupt you, don't know what that means, but you should totally do it and find out. So the way I have this written in my wild magic thing is simply no internal monologue. Do you remember what it felt like for Ernest to not want to die, but to be killed? He felt betrayed. Hey, Claire, hug the tentacle. Zoe wants to, like, essentially grab her by the back, pull her, like, pull Claire back, and then go forward instead. You're going to become a warlock whose patron is Gonador, that which lurks, god of abominations. Tell the traveler that war is coming. Did you make these mirrors? No. Who made them? The most talented genius i've ever known his name was lucas you do not get sent on a mission to a faraway planet to analyze a powerful magical anomaly that pierces the universe like an arrow from one end to the other if you are in good standing in your society <laughs> if this is what we're doing i'll help you both as long as you help me kill uh, the, the the angel when we get round to that <laughs> Great job, guys! How did it go? Do we find out anything? Who's Garrick? Can we find him and capture him now? Oh, is Ernest embodying one of, of Alice's skeletons? Uh, it's, it's Ernest's skeleton. Because once he was reanimated by Alice, he has enough of a connection with, his, with the spirit to remember one thing, and that is where those artifices are. So we take the stuff, and then we give the, the devices to Warden Light, and be like, yo, we did it. I choose what happens when we recover the artifices. You see, coming from across the field is Wolf, the troll. Oh shit, I'm with the Popo. <laughs> and he sees the four of you together. Popo got me! <laughs> Uh, we should start this episode with Chris explaining what he has done to Zoe's character sheet, because I think it's pretty substantial and interesting, both mechanically and narratively. Yes. So I'm going to be quiet while he takes the mic now. Oh, no, I didn't do anything. I basically just wrote a bunch of scribbles all over the page, drew a couple eyeballs on it. <laughs> nice. I dotted a few eyes with hearts 
And uh, that was basically it. No, uh, Zoe, because she uh, leapt into the, the portal Ganador and uh, had to embrace his dark power, has partially changed. So she is no longer uh, fully a sorcerer. Now she's a partial warlock. I took three levels in warlock. So there's still a two to one ratio in her sorcerer to warlock levels. But uh, that did cost her a couple things as a sorcerer. So, she, for example, she no longer has fourth or fifth level spell slots. Those are completely gone as well as uh, quite a few spells. So she doesn't have telekinesis anymore or stone shape or dispel magic. All of those are gone. Um, but in return, she has warlock powers now. So she gets the normal stuff that kind of uh, comes with uh, Ganador where uh, you're able to communicate telepathically with people uh, within 30 feet or something like that. Mm-hmm. But her particular method of pact is the pact of the blade, which is where you're, uh, uh, devotion or servitude to the god is kind of manifested in a weapon reminiscent of that 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 deity. So uh, uh, I went with Pact of the Blade, and I, I jokingly mentioned to Austin last week uh, by just linking him a picture of Nightmare from Soul Calibur holding Soul Edge, where it's just a <laughs> giant like great sword with an eyeball on it. Specifically from Soul Calibur 2, which has Nightmare's best design. I feel like mm-hmm. they went a little weird with it in later entries, but the 2 is mm, chef kiss. Perfect. It is It is a great choice. And do I remember right from last week, your warlock spells don't trigger wild magic rolls? So any spells that uh, Zoe casts that are warlock spells, so i.e. Eldritch Blast or uh, Hex, because she actually has warlock spells now and warlock spells work a little bit differently than other spell casters but if she casts any of these spells they aren't they don't prompt a magic roll um wild magic roll they don't prompt a magic wild fuck it i'm just do it live (laughs) (laughs) they don't prompt a wild magic roll they don't prompt a magic wild roll fuck it (laughs) wild magic don't happen no good when make those rolls there so basically you're either tapping to the wild magic or tapping into Ganador in order to cast a spell. You have to choose between one or the other. Well, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting sort of scenario because uh, Zoe has not known the ability to cast magic without wild magic always being at risk. And uh, this is a sort of an interesting temptation there because this is a chance for her to have power that doesn't have the weird consequence to it. But there is a, a, def- uh, a moral degradation attached to it. Uh, where you kind of uh, embrace that power and you might start moving down a more sinister path. Eyeball, eyeball, eyeball. (laughs) My question is, is this going to be like one of those games where there's like a hidden stat that's building up over time and once we get to the epilogue, Austin will have a script he'll read about whether Zoe is like reformed or corrupted or somewhere in the middle. Is that that what's going to happen here, Austin? Yeah, you guys all have all been earning light side points and dark side points, and your face gets all scarred up the more dark side points you get. You remember when that happened in Mass Effect 2 and no one questioned it? That was weird. Because that's a natural thing to happen to people who've been reconstructed after dying, you know? See, if I'd known this, I'd have been min-maxing. I would have <laughs> just been doing evil at every single turn regardless, because, I, you know, there's no point in doing those morality systems unless you can get the top-end bonuses for your path. Yeah, exactly. Now, that's why I like tabletop is because it allows for such flexibility and just unexpected things. I never in a million years could have planned for this conversion. (laughs) It's just completely beyond anything I imagined. And now we have this cool scenario where you have a choice between the dangerous wild magic and the safer 
and more like seductive but potentially corrupting magic of Gonador. And also you have uh, a really cool eyeball sword now, which is a good contrast to I don't know if we've really talked about this, but Lauren's Warlock Pact is of the Tome, which means she just gets more spells. But in like in narrative, it's her Gonador diary, which is why she's allowed to talk to him, which you will not be able to. He'll still talk to you because he can send messages through the barrier to you, but you cannot send him out. Uh, I also do want to note something. So a lot of people were curious as to whether or not this meant that Zoe's alignment would be changing to something evil related. She's not changed to being evil, but I did change her alignment at this point because with all these various scenarios she's got going on, I've moved Zoe completely over now to chaotic good uh, because she is no longer following any sort of boundaries when it comes to how she's acting in this world. She's really sort of just acting on her own at this point. But um, until she does anything significantly evil enough to move her alignment down on that moral spectrum, she's uh, she's still a good aligned character yet. So we have we have all three phases of chaotic in our party now. <laughs> she she jumped through the portal for good reasons, so that's that's sort of the the reason for that. That's fine. We got the chaotic part. We'll work you down. You'll come join the chaotic evil corner soon enough. Yeah, it seems fun over there. Yeah, There's always parties going on. You get to ride giant purple worms. It's great. Plus, you get a bitch in a new outfit. Oh, sign me up. Yeah, we're going to have a fashion montage at the end of this after you guys have finished the Garrick arc, and we'll probably talk more about your cool sword and Gondor's plans for you. A lot of stuff uh, kind of going on in the background, but the immediate problem is at the end of the last episode, Wolf the Troll spotted the four of y'all together, Mm -hmm. and there is a split second there where Veltari needs to make a decision. And it's a decision I thought was juicy at the end of last episode, but upon reflection is a thousand times juicier because the obvious <laughs> dilemma is do you let him quote unquote save you and then it's going to be three on one against Garrick as he carts you off somewhere else or you try to resolve this now with words in such a way as he lets you stay with the team what I forgot to take into account and which will now be very important <laughs> is the fact that Zoe has to say everything she thinks Oh, oh God. God. So I think it's important to note, like, we cut it off the end of last episode, but we, like, I I did my whole, like, I'm going to bluff to um to suggest that I'm stuck with the popo and then rolled a 24. So it's like, oh, okay. At the very least, Wolf's going to believe me. Yeah, you've crushed it. You have the initiative. You have the ability. It's your choice. Like it's, I, I haven't taken that away from you. It's just that I forgot in the background. There's a saboteur. <laughs> oh, it's 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 fine. I'm just gonna have to move very quickly on on this whole thing. All right. So let us begin. The last thing you said was Popo got me, and I guess Wolf responds, "I'll save you." <laughs> And he just starts running over, and you see he's summoning the purple worm up to attack the avant-guards. I'm going to run over to Wolf and just go, Wolf, look, they're not worth it. You know who's going to deal with them? Secret friend. Secret friend's going to deal with them. So the purple worm is, like, rearing up behind him as if to launch an attack, crushing your friends. And it halts in midair as Wolf surveys the three of you who have just let you kind of run off. Um, You're not in irons or anything. And there's just a moment where he considers the possibility of your secret friend just killing all of them. And he just puts an arm around you and goes to lead you away. Yeah, Popo. 
good good luck when uh, when when uh, Wolf's secret friend turns up because he's gonna definitely kill you and uh, <laughs> good good luck surviving surviving that secret friend that you're gonna bump into shortly. And I just walk away. Dora's <laughs> gonna shake her fist and be like, "Oh, you rascal!" <laughs> My hope is that for the second I can just get Wolf away and I'll try and reconvene with the party in a bit. So he's just gonna dart off towards the the Hawthorne Manor. Okay, before you make this any worse. Yeah. Uh, Roland's gonna lean over to Dora and just say, it's like, eventually this is gonna become a pretty big problem, but just don't have time for it right now. What? Wolf's gonna be a problem? I don't think so. He's not, like, super smart. I feel like we could convince him that we're chill eventually. Dora's gonna take off running after. And then Roland follows. All right, so you guys head on over to Hawthorne House, which is patrolled very vigilantly by all kinds of skeleton guards. And now there are three of you. Um, what is the plan here? So now that I'm not with the party, you no longer have hypnotic pattern with which to <laughs> nicely uh, immobilize yeah. uh, a librarian skeleton. <laughs> Roland is writing a note to hand to the first skeleton that demands an invitation or a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. All right, so the gate guard skeleton takes your note, runs inside, and uh, after a couple minutes wait, uh, Alice comes out of the front door, just like stands on her stoop to confirm that it's the three of you, and then she like rolls her eyes and, <laughs> and waves you past the guards, uh, all three of you. If you want to go, all go in, you're all invited. Yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> uh, I'll be fine out here. I'm gonna wait out here because I feel I feel it's like I have to wait out here because I'll say everything I want to I think and then I'll blow the entire plan. <laughs> like the, the 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 hilarious moment of being like I'll just stay out here because if I go inside then I'm gonna tell you everything that I potentially ruin your plans with Ready Nim. Oops, wait, I guess I can come inside now. Do you have tea? <laughs> it's far off enough that like you can say a bunch of stuff and she's already gone back inside. So <laughs> Roland's going to just say just keep an eye out for Veltari and well guide her in if she makes it here. Alright, so we're splitting party, splitting party, splitting party. Uh Theodora and Roland walk in. Oh boy. Alice is making you guys some mm, I'll try to think of something more exciting than tea. <laughs> Flowering tea. Chai lattes. <laughs> Everyone yelled at once. Um it's yeah, it's some stuff i don't even, i don't even know venti chai mocha it's all it's happening in the kitchen right now she doesn't have much to do with her day she's gotten very good at that kind of thing um but she sits you guys down the bodyguard skeleton is with her as always and she says what can i do for you now oh this shit's tasty as fuck nice i invented it they're gonna name it after me oh cool <laughs> you know what else is cool your skeletons you should tell me more about the skeletons <laughs> I am an osteomancer, medically to begin with, and then later in a more uh, custodial and protective capacity. Uh, bones are, of course, just calcium, <laughs> kind of rock material, lightly insoled by their proximity to the human spirit. It's as if you keep an animal in your home for too long, and it begins to smell of them. That's the way skeletons are with souls. Hmm. I think it's really particularly cool that you have, like, specialized skeletons. <laughs> like, like this guy over here, and wasn't there, like, another one? 
Yes, this, the specific roles I give them is not a reflection of who they were in life, more a requirement of mine. For hygienic purposes, of course, I would want to keep the kitchen staff kind of sequestered from the gardening staff, and you'd want the largest and most powerful skeletons uh, on guard duty and so forth. It doesn't mean that the guards weren't poets in life. They do not retain that much. Hmm. Oh, okay. Is there anything in particular that any of your skeletons has done that kind of reveals something about their past that you found interesting? Oh, of course. There are always small tells. You were at the party, so you saw that there were some who were more comfortable in the role of waiter or pianist or reveler or guard. As I said, this isn't necessarily an indication of how they were in life, but something about whatever is still locked inside of them uh, makes those roles more comfortable for the moment. It's an inexact science, of course. It is fascinating. I have to admit that when you reveal the purpose of the party, I it was a bit eye-opening for me. I never considered that something as, well, unassuming as a as an animated skeleton could have such subtle nuances in how it interacts with and expresses its uh, past humanity. Is it not the same for many inanimate objects? Some people say their tools and their craftsmanships have various personalities. Oh, this paintbrush is ever so fickle, you know? Mm. It requires extra attention to use this lathe uh, on rainy days. It's, it's, of course, in human nature to personify things, but mm. some believe in the animating spirit of all non-sentient material. Are you aware of these theories? Uh, some. I mean, it's one of those various mysteries that has led to various divisions about how different types of magic and different types of rituals should be or shouldn't be allowed. Of course, the problem is that if you worship a god, eventually he'll throw down an enchanted sword or something, where if you worship the spirits of the rocks, you don't usually get a return <laughs> on that investment, which is difficult when building a, a base. So um, I'm going to say Dora like zoned out, and all she heard was spirit of the rocks. <laughs> and she goes, what? What about the rocks? <laughs> I do like it because I also very much picture Lauren zoning out whenever we talk philosophy. <laughs> rude (laughs) it's okay so she says i take it you did not come to discuss animism or my skeletons uh is there something you needed uh perhaps uh, a shortcut in your day job (laughs) there's actually two quick questions he's going to ask before he delves into the the information one he's going to ask if the name lucas means anything or rings any bells to alice lucas the only person I know who that might be referring to would be uh, Luke Rosemary. Do you remember much about, uh, well, Luke? Oh, yes. Uh, Lady Nim mentioned him when I spoke with her recently. Uh, I believe he was Warden Light's departed husband. Wait. Oh, snap. This shit progressive. Husband? Did you say, did you say husband, ma'am? Uh, well, he's, he died. Many years ago. Oh. It was a name that we heard in some conversations, and I was curious to see if anyone other than the warden knew of him. Uh, First of all, roll history, Theodora and Roland. Dora with disadvantage, because you're not from this plane. Wow, I got a a seven on that. 
<laughs> I got a six. Six and seven. So no, that name doesn't mean anything to you. I'm like, Lucas, that candy that like you eat? Out of character, I hear <laughs> Rosemary like, wait a minute. Longtime listeners will recognize that this is a reference to season two. It's, a, it's not important if you don't get it. Ron just sort of nods lightly. It's like, it's okay. I was just kind of curious about that. The only other person I want to ask is, do you remember a man by the name of Ernest? That sounds familiar. I can't quite place it, though. We have reason to, to suspect or surmise that uh, one of your skeletons, one of your workers around here, is actually the animated bones of this man, Ernest. Uh, all the bones end up here eventually, so... Yes. <laughs> statistically speaking, yeah. A- unless he was ground to dust and scattered into the wind, yeah, he's, he'll be here somewhere. Is it possible for you to know who a skeleton belonged to, or is that something that is harder to uh, discern by, well, the force that animates them? Oh, I, I don't keep track anymore. There was a time when there was some novelty in it, but there's just too many at this point. And then at this point, Roland's going to briefly explain the, the, the underlying theory that the team has about which skeleton is Ernest. <laughs> she says, oh, okay, so you probably could have just came out with that. <laughs> A lot of foreplay. We're trying to be tactful. I'm just not used to it from you. I find discussions of philosophy deeply interesting. and I thought you were going to say I find foreplay deeply interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Well, I don't know if that was Theodora or Lauren. Let's leave that a mystery. The answer is yes. Um, (laughs) Everyone's just like, in either case, we think there might be some, there might be something in the animating spirit of Ernest in his skeleton that is causing him to do some unexpected things. Feel free to investigate uh, the skeletons here. None of them have particular sentimental value, only utilitarian. Uh, but I would inform you that most of the domestic staff has been reassigned to guard duty as I mm. beef up security, considering all of the break-ins. I only did it once. Uh, we're not keeping a score, honey. Um, but all that is to say that if you were looking for the librarian, I believe he's on gardening duty right now. Unless you're, unless you're looking for my bodyguard or kitchen staff, the house is empty. So... Good luck. Meanwhile, did you have anything you wanted to do uh, while you waited outside, Zoe, or while you were being uh, taken away, Veltari? Um, I I have a plan with Wolf. Okay. Once once we stop somewhere, I think I might actually have a plan to get out of this this web of lies I have got myself slightly trapped in. Okay, I'm excited that for that. Let's let's do this scene right right quick while they go outside. Um, so Wolf's walking along and he's like, you see that? They were all outnumbering us. And I was like, and I saved you. You, you, you saved me. And I really appreciate that. And look, I need to, I need to talk to you about something because there's something that I've been keeping a little bit secret from you, but I think that you've really shown that you're willing to stand up for me when I need it. So I think it's time for me to tell you a secret. Is, Is that okay? Uh, I, I guess is is it a scary secret? No, it's 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 a nice secret. It's it's a secret that I needed to know that I could trust you before I revealed this secret to you. And and after our day playing together, I know I can trust you. 
And I cast Disguise Self to disguise myself as Garrick. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 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 <laughs> oh, you are. G- I I hope I can pull this off. <laughs> What's that meme? Oh. <laughs> oh, baby, what is you doing? Oh, baby, what is you doing? <laughs> no, can, can I explain what I have planned? Absolutely. Because <laughs> I think I have a really good plan here. I have really good d- deception and persuasion. I am gonna try and convince Wolf that I was Garrick all along. Holy cow on toast! And that way, when we kill Garrick. <laughs> There's no problem, because I don't have to admit to killing his friend. All right, skills to pay the bills. Deception with advantage. Okay, deception with advantage. Uh, Deception is plus six. First roll is an 18. Second roll, 23. Okay, yeah, he doesn't question it for a second. So he's just going with this, is he? I knew it. I was like, all my friends, all my all my good friends, it was just a coincidence. This is the same person, same same person. Yeah. Yeah. So here's let 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 me explain to you why I had to keep myself a secret. Look, I. Do you still have Veltari voice? Or are you doing Garrick's like upper class? Uh, what, what was Garrick's voice like? Uh, oh yes, here's my upper class voice. Yeah. Is this about Garrick's voice? <laughs> moves bouche. Mm, how droll. Moves bouche. Mm. Um. So here's here's the deal. Um, <laughs> my role in the town is to protect people who need protecting and to punish those who need punishing. And there's a lot of people who are definitely not okay with this. Um. Anytime the Popo are about to catch me, I turn back into Veltari, and at that point, they, they they don't know that I'm the one that's been killing all the bad people in town, and therefore I get away scot-free. You're my friend, and I wanted to protect you, and I'm glad to know that I can trust you enough with this secret. <gasps> You're like a superhero. Exactly. Can I be your sidekick? You can be my sidekick. Oh yeah. Sidekick, sidekick, sidekick. <laughs> Our missions have to be very secret, and there are only certain times we can do them, but... Look, the Popo have been on to me for a little while, and... I'm gonna need to be very sparing with when I do my superhero powers, okay? So, I promise you, we will go on superhero missions as soon as there is a chance. Sighted! No. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. There are some very bad people in town I need to, uh... To deal with. I uh, I apologize I can't stay with you longer, but may I uh, go and punish the evildoers for you? <gasps> Justice calls. Get out there. Justice calls. I will see you soon and we shall have the greatest potato feast we've ever had. And I run away still Garrickified. <laughs> <laughs> this campaign is so good. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself for coming up with that. I was just like, shit, shit, shit. So I'm going to like get out of eyesight and then untransform and head straight back for the uh for the place where our boss encounter is likely to happen with Garrick. <laughs> yeah, nice. Cuz I'm pretty sure this now means that when we defeat Garrick, we're okay because Wolf won't know that I killed his friend. Look at me. I am the Garrick now. <laughs> <laughs> I I am the Garrick now. Okay. Uh real quick, check in with Zoe. You're just like chilling outside the fence just waiting for anything. I, at first, I think that's that's her mentality, but uh, it's amusing you had her say the line about uh, you guys keep breaking into my house mm-hmm. because I was very tempted to break into our house while we were waiting. <laughs> but 
rather than going to that extreme already, I will instead have Zoe kind of like patrol the perimeter mm-hmm. of like the mansion and try to see if she could spot uh, the skeleton in question, Garrick, you know, the librarian, I think he was called. Perception to look around the grounds because you're not quite like investigating. You're just kind of looking around. That's good because uh, Zoe's not good at investigation. <laughs> I got an 11. So uh, slightly above average, you get a pretty good look at the fact that there's kind of different kinds of skeletons, which is mentioned briefly when you flew over the grounds. And I worried that I gave you too much of a hint <laughs> by saying like, hmm, you haven't really investigated the skeletons. And then nobody really followed up on that. So mystery saved. Um, there is the guards. There are the gardeners. There are people who are just like moving stuff around like food that they got from maybe the lilies and they're taking inside. There's just kind of a couple different classes of skeleton, but none of them stand out to you as like in disguise or suspicious or anything with an 11. Uh, but I will note as you're kind of walking around, just, you know, sleuthing, um, you are briefly struck by a pretty acute headache. And I think you like grasp your head and close your eyes for a moment. And you see in the darkness of your mind, the shape of the first frost that snowflake that it keeps popping up around people who've been touched by Garrick's ice magic. Yeah. And you'll recall you are frozen solid <laughs> by it. Um, but while you, you see this symbol in your mind, the same way Winifred saw it and the same way Wolf saw it, it suddenly shatters as from within it, you see an eye open and suddenly the headache is gone. Yeah, he's so helpful. And you look down and you are holding a black sword with an eyeball peering out from the hilt. All right. So I I have something I kind of want to do Mm -hmm. that involves using one of my warlock spells. Mm -hmm. Though I don't know how it would be like if Zoe just naturally gained an instantaneous knowledge of the spells that are available to her essentially as a warlock. That's what knocked you unconscious was all the new warlock stuff Ooh. flooding into you. It's like it's like learning kung fu in an instant, you know. Okay, so I want to have Zoe cast uh, detect thoughts, and essentially I want to have her like go around the skeletons and see if there are any that have any sort of deeper level thought than just what a sort of golem program skeleton should have. Oh, this is very good. So this is the scene. You're walking around the skeletons and you're like, okay, gardeners, guards, kitchen staff, uh, bird watchers, <laughs> whatever they're doing out here. And they're all just thinking very simple phrases. Like they're thinking, guard the perimeter, stab intruders, or cut the weeds, trim the azaleas. <laughs> I want to go back to that cut the weeds guy, because if you cut the weeds, you're not doing anything. The weeds are just going to grow back. <laughs> you have to pull the weeds. Jeez. <laughs> And all of a sudden, his thoughts changed. You pull the weeds. <laughs> That's right. Yes. But as you're walking across, you see one of the gardeners, and there is thoughts, like actual sapient thoughts in that one's head, uh, but it's hard to read them. They're just like kind of garbled noise right now. At that point, Roland and Theodora, I think, walk outside the front door like, all right, so I guess we just got to check every skeleton. <laughs> I want to have Zoe go up towards that skeleton. Mm-hmm. I realized I, she says everything out loud. Oh, yeah. God, that's not going to work. <laughs> so you start walking over and then you freeze? I'm picturing you <laughs> walking towards the skeleton and then doing a literal 180 and walking straight away. Just like... <laughs> also, Roland and Theodora are coming. Do you dispel the sword? 
Uh, yeah, actually, yes, I I, I think she will. Yeah, I, I think she like ha- like you can see for a moment. Well, fuck, she has to vocalize it, so she's like, I can go up and pretend like that skeleton is the one I'm trying to ask about uh going in to see Lady Hawthorne, but then actually use it as a way to get close to skeleton and prove. Wait, hold on. No, talking out loud makes this plan not work. <laughs> hey, I'm here to deceive you. Anyway. <laughs> hey, you dumb skeleton. Guess what? I got one over on you. Also, my name's Zoe. Hi. Dora's going to chase after Zoe because they're best friends now in Dora's mind. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the group re- the group is reunited. Am I back in the group? Have I reached the house? Not yet. I want there to be just enough room in this that if combat pops off for you to show up one round into it. That is fair. It's just when you said the party's back together, I was like, wait, when did I turn up? (laughs) No, you're on the way. You're making your way downtown. Walking fast, pretending to be Garrick. I'm homebound. (laughs) Exactly. But if you like, once Dora immediately comes to see her, she's just going to be like, you're, you're way more affectionate than usual. Also, I think that skeleton might be the one we're looking for, but I haven't been able to confirm it. That one who doesn't know what to do with weeds? No, that one's just wrong. He needs to be fixed. But that one, that one has weird thoughts. Maybe you should, like, throw my cape over him and grab him. <laughs> I should note, I don't know for certain that it's Garrick. I just know that that skeleton's the only one I was able to detect having different thoughts than the others. It's really weird being able to just read minds. Pretty dope, right? Yeah, dope's the word I'd use, I think. I should probably do it more often, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know we can actually communicate telepathically with one another, too, all the time for free? Yeah, I know, that's pretty fucking baller. (laughs) (laughs) Warlock buddies! High five. (laughs) And then we, like, fist bump. There's an explosion of tentacles behind you as you fist bump. (laughs) Roland's just gonna, like, face palm at all this. Well, do you have a plan, or... Does it have the, well, artifacts on its person, or not? It's not like it has pockets where it's gonna put those artifacts, but... If we manage to disable, uh, or capture him, then we can just find out, even if we have to go inside his mind to figure it out. Assuming these things have, well enough of a uh, remnant of their own minds for you to investigate, sure, but without draw- without drawing his sword or shield, he's just going to uh, ask you to point out which skeleton in particular is the one with the unusual thoughts. Uh, the one that Zoe identified is kind of kneeling in a, a bed of roses and trimming off... Of course the- he's in a bed of roses. <laughs> he's tuxedo mask. <laughs> I actually didn't think of that, but yeah, absolutely, it's what's happening right now. Roland is then just going to uh, walk uh, towards that skeleton. He's not being stealthy at all, so he's, he's wondering if the skeleton even notices his approach. Uh, the skeleton does not acknowledge you. It just goes right ahead, pruning the roses. Pulling roses out and cutting weeds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, I only did lawn maintenance as a career for like three years. It's not like I know how any of this works. So how the rose is treating you, Ernest? The skeleton does not react. It continues pruning roses. I want Zoe to like wa- like be walking up so she's like behind Roland. And if uh, anyone, I guess the only person who could see her since she's behind Roland would be uh, Dora. Uh, they might notice that sure, she's like clenching and kind of unclenching her hand, like her right hand a couple times. Mm-hmm. Hi, uh, Skeleton. I, I was wondering if you might be able to get a message to Lady Hawthorne. 
which this is a lie, but it doesn't really matter because you should have already noted what we're here for if you had responded to his previous statement. <laughs> I mean, the skeleton stands up, turns, and holds out a hand as if to take your a note because it cannot speak because it doesn't have lungs or a tongue or vocal cords. Is the skeleton always Garrick is what I'm kind of wondering. Roland is going to take uh, his paper and write on it, where are the artifacts, comma, earnest, question mark. And instead of handing it to the skeleton director, he's going to hold it up in front of him as if if the skeleton could perceive and read it, just to see what its response is. Uh, the skeleton takes the piece of paper from you and then turns to walk away and go inside and give it to Alice. Okay, this might be, like, weird and useless. Um, but she did say he'd been working in the garden for a while. Uh, Dora? I don't know if this would even do anything, but I was thinking Dora could switch on Detect Magic Vision and see if maybe he, like, hid them in, like, the plants or something. You turn on Detect Magic and you're like, oh, hey, guys, <laughs> heads up. Uh, here's things I noticed. There's something magic buried underground where he was working. And also his head is lit up like the sun. Looking at the skeleton's head, it, it, I would, I kind of want to make you make a constitution roll not to be blinded. That's how ma- magic this dude's skull is right now as you look at him. Like, it, it hurts to have turned on Detect Magic right now. I, like, do that thing where I, like, cover my eyes, like, and it's, like, the sun. be like, yo, guys, his head is hella magic. Um, he's walking away with your note, Roland. Somebody go after that guy. I'm gonna dig up this shit. Uh, Roland, Roland is going to use Compel the Duel to keep it from walking away. All right, so I gotta make a save. What's the DC? Uh, the save, I believe, is a wisdom save against DC 16. Uh, how's negative three treat you? <laughs> Uh, that means, yeah. So that means it can't move any further than 30 feet away from me. And I guess if it wants to attack anyone, it has disadvantage against anyone other than me. As the skeleton goes to walk away, Dora tips you off. What do you say as part of your compelled duel spell? Ernest, it's not worth hiding secrets from us. It's time to come to terms with what you've been doing. Roll initiative. Can I dig shit up while he's rolling initiative? Yeah, you don't have to take part in this combat if you don't want to, but he's going to attack. I don't know. I'm digging that shit up. Uh, three. I got a 17. So you say, stop, Ernest. It's time to reckon with what you've done. And half a dozen ghostly Hydra heads burst up through the ground and begin savaging Roland on the spot. You're going to take three attacks, 17, 14, 18. All three miss. (laughs) Oh, snaps. So you just start blocking them with your beastly dad armor? Roland has his his high defense working to his advantage. So this, uh, Veltari, in the distance, you're you're walking up to Hawthorne Manor, and you just see like a geyser of like dirt and stuff shoot up out of the uh, the side of the house as these Hydra heads become material as they breach the earth. Okay. Um, it's clear that the re- it's clear that the rest of this animal is uh, ghostly and underground. Um, but you know immediately something's going on in the yard, and you are. Like one round away if you sprint. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be sprinting towards it. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> so Zoe, you're first up in the order. I realized something that I think is supremely cool about the packed weapon is that it's something you can summon and unsummon at will. Literally with the thought it can just materialize in your hand. And I realized at that point 
that I essentially now have a keyblade. <laughs> continues to just add into this list of the most awesome things ever for this character to have. Your, your character's just cycling through every anime trope now. <laughs> she she has a stand. She she had Saiyan powers and super hair. She she has a a keyblade now. The only thing left is uh, like a Megazord or something. I think maybe. And then I think I've kind of like I'll probably just be like, guys, I have to leave this this podcast because it's not going better from here. This this was the tops. Uh, so she's going to summon her weapon, uh, the packed weapon, like instantaneously once she sees that this this guy's uh, struck at Roland, even though he missed. Uh, <laughs> and she is going to swing this sword right down on him, which is ironic because he tried to walk away and he did not hear you say simple and clean. Eighteen. Yeah, you. this skeleton is not wearing armor. <laughs> He's just a, a skeleton man, uh, so that's a hit. Some kind of special is uh, going to happen here, because what Zoe's going to do is uh, activate one of her evocations that she gets for being a warlock, mm-hmm. and that invocation is called the Claw of Akamar. I guess in this case it should be called the Claw of Ganador. But this is when she hits a target, she'll deal extra 2d8 necrotic damage by expending a spell slot, and reduce that creature's speed to zero until the end of her next turn. So essentially, like, tendrils are going to come out of the sword to, like, restrain the creature in their spot, essentially. Nice. So it's going to be... Warlocks are dope. 26 necrotic damage? Necrotic and slashing damage? Uh, The slashing damage is going to be full. The necrotic is not, because he is a skeleton. All right. Then I think that would be the latter two numbers on there, so the seven and the eight. So Uh, so it looks like you put a nice big slash across his ribcage, and tentacles slow him to he cannot move. He already had compelled duel, but now he's all tentacle-wrapped too, but the tentacles don't seem to be crushing him quite the way you were hoping. No, as long as they reduced his speed to zero, that's all that matters. She essentially is like going to try to hold him in place. The skeleton's turn, and for the skeleton's action, it reaches up and removes the top of its skull. The top of this head just comes off in one clean piece, as if someone had removed it Mm -hmm. for perhaps to eat the brain inside without damaging it. Mm -hmm. The skeleton bows its head a little bit and reaches up, and you see in its skull cavity, there are two items. One is a polymorph domino mask. And the other is a snowflake. It takes the domino mask and replaces the skull cap back over its head, puts it on its eyes, and all of a sudden growing across the skeleton is the skin and clothing of Garrick the Great. And before your eyes, still wrapped in tentacles, (laughs) this dandy appears before you in his top hat and gloves, uh, very attractive and suave. And he says, tentacles, how gauche. Fuck you. Can I just say, I'm now wishing <laughs> I hadn't transformed back from Garrick because I love the idea of just rocking up as Garrick number two. And as a reaction to you slashing with your sword, there is a pulse of ice magic that radiates from Garrick now and hits Zoe. So dexterity saving throw to dodge. Okay. I remember to include the plus five to your saving throw there. 18. 18 is enough. 18 was the DC and you hit it. Whew. So you take half from this. You take 13 damage as a wave of ice hits you in the chest. Ow. Rude. <laughs> and now it is Roland's turn. Garrick the Great, wrapped in tentacles, top hat, mm-hmm. just a gorgeous man in a field of roses. Mm. 
Yes. Which is where this entire fight is taking place. Okay, so what Roland's going to do is draw his sword as a bonus action, or rather as an action, and invoke his channel divinity to basically make it a magic weapon. That is his uh, sacred weapon. So it glows, radiates light, and adds his int modifier as a bonus to attack rolls with it. Mm -hmm. And then he is going to step forward towards Garrick and say, I'm sorry, despite what Asriel has done to you, it doesn't allow you to continue what you're doing. And then he is going to attempt an attack against him. Let's see here. 20 on the attack roll. That hits. Uh, I am going to invoke Divine Smite, however, and do a bonus D, uh, 2d8 damage to the attack. So that's going to be so 21 damage on that. Pretty good slash. Uh, make a dexterity saving throw as a wave of ice slams into you. 16, so I'll take the brunt of the damage. 26. Uh, okay, that puts me down to 62. <laughs> Roland is very beefy. All right, next up is Theodora, who is not part of the combat, but is digging a hole. Okay, so um, I had a crazy idea here. I was thinking about casting a spell on him. Uh, would I have to, like, get in there in initiative, or could I just, like, surprise, it's me? No, I mean, you'll just be the last in the order. Uh, <laughs> okay. I want to cast Tasha's a Hideous Laughter on Garrick. <laughs> Sorry, I have to make a wisdom saving throw? Uh, 14. 24. Fuck. Oh, this might this might screw up my plans for when I arrive. <laughs> so that doesn't do anything then if if you if I save? Yeah. It doesn't do anything. Oops. Uh so Veltari, you arrive on the scene. Right, I'm going to have to hope for a really bad roll here. Um I run into the scene and I cast fear. <laughs> my my new spell I got when I last leveled up. I get it. I cast a 30-foot cone <laughs> of fear for one minute, creating a phantasmal image of the target's worst nightmares. I know what his worst nightmare's likely to be. Probably the person who ate his brain. Um, so he's got to succeed against a wisdom saving throw or become frightened and drop all his items. All right. So what is the DC? F 14. <laughs> 17. Uh, so this was a cone, and right now two of you are in melee combat with Garrick. In a in a 30-foot cone, yeah. Oh, that's definitely going to be us. Well, I just don't want to make you drop all your items. <laughs> My sword reappears when I want it to. I, I, I fail the saving throw irrespective, so. Yep, if you fail the save, you become frightened, drop your items, and have to use dash action to flee unless you can't move. <laughs> Uh, 14. <laughs> you can see how this would have been really useful. <laughs> uh, so, Sketch botched, and it looks like Chris got a 14, which does not hit the 15 DC. Nope. Alright, so Zoe and Roland drop their swords. Zoe disappears into a puff of black smoke, and then on your turn, you guys are gonna have to run away from Veltari. Sorry! Because she just blasted you with fear. Oh, God. <laughs> this is a good combat. <laughs> I thought I could cast it in such a way that it wouldn't hit them both. Cones, man. Gonna get you every time. Zoe, your turn. I hate geometry. So I, I'm compelled to run as far away as I can from Beltari, correct? Creatures affected must use dash action to flee unless they can't move. Yeah. Oh, wow. That... Yep, yeah, sorry. 
I was trying to get Garrick to drop his mask and Snowflake, but... Uh... Well, Snowflake is in his head. And the mask is affixed to his face. Ah, well, that completely, like, undoes all of the reason I tried to do that spell then. <laughs> okay, so as Garrick, he's like, uh, he's like a, a dude, not an undead or a construct, right? Right. Correct. It has given him flesh and form. Uh, so I might be mistaken on this. Uh, if I take the dash action, I provoke opportunity attack from Garrick, essentially, because he's not compelled to be, uh, move away. Correct. So I have to just full-born, just, like, run away in the opposite direction of Eltari, so he'd get an opportunity attack if he, he has one. What's gonna happen is you guys are gonna dash around the edge of the building, break line of sight, and then make wisdom saving throws to not be scared anymore? Yep, that's pretty much what I was assuming, because we are gonna move roughly 60 feet as a result of this. Uh, Zoe, you go running off to break line of sight with Veltari, who is now the scariest thing ever. Actually, what is what is the image that is conjured for you, this fear image? Right now, it, it actually, I believe, would be Lady Nim, because this is this is the immediate fear that she has at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I imagine it would be, uh, to put a subconscious spin on it, it might be a Lady Nim that has uh, more human features, more familiar features to her, if you kind of get what I'm saying. Like it almost looks like it's just Lady Nim instead of Veltari because she's the source of the fear spell. So it just looks like she's coming for you. Like it's happening yeah. now and you didn't have enough time. Exactly. And as you go running away, the Hydra is actually going to be the one that takes the opportunity attack. Bite, bite, bite. Uh, 13, 12, and 7. I think those all miss. Nope. The seven's the only one that misses. Oh, yikes. My, my AC is 11. <laughs> yikes on bikes. You take 13 damage. Okay. As the Hydra bites at your heels. So as you run around the edge of the building, you want to make that wisdom saving throw to get unfeared. 12, so nope. Nope. Garrick tips his hat to Veltari. Mm, thank you very much for the assist, madam. <laughs> um, well, I had an idea, and I was going to try mm-hmm. to enlist Veltari's help, and him thinking she was helpful helps my idea if it works. So it is now Garrick's turn, and he's actually going to use his uh, action for to have the Hydra heads dip back underground and grab his buried items. Oh, damn it. And they burst up out of the ground and hand him his time turner and his smoke machine and a couple other things you don't know what they are. It's okay. Th- these are things he's holding this time. <laughs> he puts all of them into his pocket except for the time turner, which he uses his bonus action to click. Um, just as a reminder for last time we fought him, because it's been a few weeks since recording, did he have to click the turner again to activate its, like, rewind? Actually, you guys heard a click. You don't necessarily know what the trigger is on the second part. You know it clicks to start. What happened last time is when you tore the mask off, that made the second click. Right, but the point is that it's still a reaction level thing. It's not. It, it doesn't happen on his turn. It happens outside of his turn. Correct. All right, Roland. What's the scariest thing Veltari could conjure for you? I mean, I, I actually have this written down. I actually had this written down for a while, ever since what happened uh, a session two ago. What he sees is he sees himself back at his at his home, back in the Ninsen Temple, in the kingdom of Egerthon, and he sees strewn about the chapel the bodies of the people that he grew up with, and most notably the headmasters who took him in and wrote and raised him from birth. Um, the headmasters, um, Asard and Tain, you know, cut a strewn in the most gruesome manner 
And then he sees their bodies start to rise as if they are now the, effectively the, the servants of Lord Danto. Spooky. Uh, so Hydra bites you as you try to flee. One, two, three, 15, 59. All miss. Yeah, you just high step. 24. Oof, perfect. So you run, get around the edge, you get into Gears of War cover, and you're like, all right, time to finish the fight. Like, uh, if Zoe has a chance to look at Roland, like, like he's literal, like, there's tears across his face, and he lo- still looks fairly shell-shocked and possibly even more uh, pissed off now than before. Yeah, I fucked up. Sorry. Veltari, it is your turn. Okay, how do I not fuck up this time? That's the question. Nobody is in melee range, so you don't have to worry about friendly fire. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> fair, that's fair. Um, Use all your cones now. I, You know what? I'm going to do another attempt at fear on, on Garrick. So you've got to beat a 15 on wisdom. Oh no, eight. <laughs> so you drop... You drop all your items and have to use your dash action to flee unless you can't move. All right, so the only thing he's holding is the time-turner grenade-looking thing. It's just like a black uh, kind of circle with a button on top, mm-hmm. and he, he just kind of nestles into his hand, and it just slips out and lands in the dirt in the bed of roses. And nothing's rewound right now. Correct. Okay. Can I use my movement to dash over in an attempt to get the time turner thing yeah you can move in and you can you can snatch it up if you want yeah that's what i aim to do you do so and you you end your turn uh in the flower bed as you dive down and grab it i assume i've not got enough turn left that i could try clicking it or is am i am i out of turn Ooh, i think it is more interesting if you click it okay so i run in and click it all right at his feet you click it and it is theodora's turn Oh. oh, right. Well, I don't know if I should try what I was going to try. Um, well, if it messes up, I might be able to undo it now. Who knows? Here's an important thing about the way this thing works is when you clicked it, what were you imagining? What was your mental state? What did you want? Because it's accessing that. I was wanting to create this as a save state where I have this time turner. Yeah, so the the save state is automatic. The question is, what's the trigger? I think this Matt, you just know this because you touch it, and it basically asks like command line prompts when you click it. Oh. Because his was, it rewinds when he's unmasked, and now you've clicked it, and now you get to decide when it rewinds. Can I make it oh. rewind if he success? Oh, th- this might like mess up gameplay things and make the fight take forever. But I was thinking, if he deals damage on our party, it rewinds. You can definitely do that. Just remember that damage stays, so you actually aren't unwinding anything. It's just mechanical. Okay. Do you mind if I take a second to think about this? Sure. It's going to take the whole order to get back to you, so it's Theodore's turn anyway. I, if, if I decide that the trigger has happened, I'll let you know. <laughs> that seems like a fair way to handle this. <laughs> well, I'm going to fucking burn it. Uh, let's try Tasha's hideous laughter again. All right. Ten. That's a fail. Oh, yes. Yes, ma'am. You finally gone adored someone. Finally, as a quick heads up, so that like it doesn't come up before like I've said it out loud. Uh, I've decided that the conditions under which time will wind back is if the time turner leaves my person. Oh, nice. Oh man, he should have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he falls prone and is incapacitated and unable to stand up. 
Wow. So the way we do this show, which is very roleplay heavy and not combat focused, uh, makes certain styles of play more powerful. And I have a hard time narratively justifying this not immediately ending the combat. So I'm not, it's not going to work this way every time, but he's taken a couple of pretty bad slashes and you've taken his item. So when he suddenly collapses in laughter, if you guys want to enter roleplay mode, uh, feel free because he just starts, he just collapses at your feet. Just like, <laughs> I want to tear his fucking mask off. Strip him of his items before the mask. We don't know what will happen when you take that mask off. You right. You right. I take all his shit. All right, so you reach into his the inner pockets of his very nice outfit, and you take out the weird alarm clock thing that turns him into mist. You take out some weird, like, crystal on a tiny pedestal thing that you don't know what it does. Uh, you just basically empty him out like a bully taking lunch money, and then you rip off the domino mask. Oh, hell yes. I say, take that, scrub. And he is now a skeleton kneeling in a field of roses. Can we open his head? Yes. Okay, I want to try and take the snowflake out of his head. All right, you reach down, you pop the top of his skull off, and make a dexterity saving throw as a wave of ice magic crashes into you. Uh, one second. Uh, you can choose to fail and take full damage, and that lets you accomplish what you were trying to do. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for that because I've got fifty-two <laughs> HP, so I'm gonna give it a go. <laughs> uh, seventeen damage, not bad at all. I can live with that. Basically, like, your hand gets flash frozen, but you muscle through and you pull the snowflake out of the skeleton's head. And as you pull it out, uh, the skeleton just goes limp and collapses in front of you, inert, on the ground. I'm just going to say to the team, heads up, Wolf now thinks I'm Garrick. Can I keep a hold of this? (laughs) Well, we have to give it to the Warden. I believe that has to go to the Warden there. What if we just don't tell him about the snowflake? Well, we're not giving the other items to the warden. That's not going to happen. Where are we giving the other items, Roland? (sighs) Well, you can try and take the time turn from me, but uh, that's not going to work well for you. (laughs) I need the other items. Should we probably talk about this somewhere that's not on the front lawn of... uh... (laughs) Yeah, also maybe, because she did give us a lot of, like, fancy beverages, maybe we should, like, be like, yo, Alice, your skeleton's, like, incapacitated on the lawn. Just letting you know, it was kind of our fault. Oops. As you say that, the skeleton grasps Theodora's ankle weakly and starts trying to pull itself up. Ah! I kick it off. Uh, Alright, Roland's going to kneel down and effectively try to help the skeleton up to its feet. Uh, you do so, and uh, it seems single-mindedly focused on getting the uh, mask back right now. It's like reaching for the mask because it cannot speak without the fleshy parts that the mask gives it. Listen, if we restrain him for a moment, it might be useful to hear some last words from him before we decide to do what we are going to do with, well, Snowflake at least. In that case, I see no no harm in it. Worst case scenario, we incapacitate him with magic. He's probably not going to do too much harm at this point. Maybe we should sit on him just in case so he can't get up. If nothing else, maybe those of us with his magical thing should move back. Yeah. You know, don't, don't keep the magic items right near his hands. Roland's going to hold uh, the skeleton sort of by the arms a little bit to kind of restrain him to allow Dora to put the mask back on. I'll I'll take the items and back away. 
All right, so Veltari takes all of Garrick's items except for the mask, which Theodora places back on the skeleton. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, and from the mask grows human flesh and top hat <laughs> and a luxurious dinner suit and white gloves. And Garrick is back, and he says, <laughs> "It was most uncouth, this combat." You were trying to ice us, literally. Uh, if I recall correctly, <laughs> you have started all of our troubles. Uh, not not the one in which you murdered uh, mur- murdered someone in ice. What 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 happened that caused Lyra to be killed, Ernest? My name is Garrick, Garrick the Great. I am the hero of justice this town needs. Roland's gonna cast Zone of Truth. All right, he does not attempt to resist you. He says, I am the only one who stands up for the people who need help. You walk around lying, destroying mines, selfishly hoarding your prizes. You would left Wolf to his torment. Lyra got what she deserved, even if that's not what I intended. Hey, we didn't leave Wolf to his torment. I made friends with him. Yeah, she ate his potatoes and everything. Yeah, they were great potatoes. We had a day. I, I rode the I rode the giant purple worm. We did drawings in the in the <laughs> dirt. It was great. Don't think you know us. <laughs> I do know you. I know. I met a man at a party, a nice man, and you let him down, and he languishes in prison because of all of your cowardice and incompetence. Y'all know he murdered somebody, right? Says you. Yeah. Also, he didn't like you. (laughs) (laughs) Door's pissed. (laughs) I'm not here to debate the ethics of my actions. Lyra struck first. The god of winter defended me. Yes. Well, that is consistent with how the god of winter operates. You have every right to do what you think is moral, and if you think that killing... If you think that killing Lyra was the right thing to do, then who am I to stop you? But you know what else you did? You didn't own up for what you did. You ran from what you did, and you hid from what you did. You never gave anyone a chance to question you on what you did or why. You attacked anyone that tried to find out. Who has the authority to question me? I am. I work in the service of a god. Who do you answer to? That angel? I answer to, uh, you know, the idea of not murdering people and then not taking any credit for it. At least be proud of your kills. If you think you did the morally right thing, stand up for yourself. Stand up for the kills you committed. I am proud. Bad people deserve to have bad things happen to them. If you're so proud, then why did you fail to tell anyone? Why did you not admit your deeds? Who am I supposed to tell? Is there a ledger? What? Do you- Wake up. We are in prison. The strong devour the weak, and I am the only one who stands up for them. You and your your justice, locking people away, hoping that they'll get better. It's just you lack the will to enact true justice. Someone did get better. Justice without compassion is merely a means to brutality. Winter is harsh, and so am I. And who's to say serving your god is more important than serving anybody else's god, huh? Mr. I serve the god of winter, If you take those from me, you take everything that I am. You condemn me to be a slave in this house. Is that your justice? You can continue to wear the mask and walk away free from here. You're still in this prison until I find a way to release everyone from this prison. 
just 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 as a heads up, I, t- I told Wolf that, that I was Garrick, so can we maybe not let him walk free with the mask? Also, he may not have his iris, but doesn't he still have a ghost? So, yeah, the Hydra is still lurking around, but it's waiting for an opportune moment and also for fear and zone of truth and everything else to wear off. Yeah, can we can we remove this mask now before he... Look, he's still, he's still got his uh, persona. Can we just have this conversation while he's not potentially able to hurt us? I think Dora, without asking anyone, is just going to rip it off. Okay, as you step forward to, he just says, Own your kills, then. If you take that from me, you have killed me. Fine, I'll kill you, then. <laughs> take off his mask. <laughs> you were dead already. All right, so you kill Garrick the Great? I guess so. He can't speak anymore. He cannot commune with his god without the snowflake. He has no agency without his items. He is basically just an, a, a robot in slavery and you all have to live with that if that's what you do to him dora feels no problem yeah veltari has zero problem with that we we were paid to do a job we did the job i don't want to die yeah roland is saddened but it's more so that he's he's dissatisfied with how steadfast garrick understands justice and he just sort of sighs deeply as the mask is pulled before releasing the skeleton yeah, uh, sorry about that, everyone. Sorry we couldn't just let him uh, go free, but um, I took the wolf problem into my own hands, I guess. And he would have hydra he would have like hydrated us in our sleep. So I'm I'm I have things I need to do. My my worry is just that sort of mentality is one of the keys to the problems that we see in many creatures who view justice so so flatly and so unempathetically. Cough, cough, warden light. Do you say that in a way that Roland can hear that, or...? Yeah, no, Dora was not being subtle. (laughs) Warden light is different. There's a difference between issuing a punishment that is universal in a way that pacifies and allows a path for escape than to attack someone whose worst crime was being a nuisance and deciding that death was a suitable punishment for simply being annoying. The Hydra shoots up out of the ground and bites Veltari 11, 17, and 23. Uh, 17 and 23 both hit. You take 16 damage as two of the heads latch onto your arms, and they're trying to get the items back. I'm down to 19. I had assumed once we took away the mask, this wouldn't be a problem. The skeleton has collapsed. It's on the ground. Yeah, does someone want to, like, destroy the skull or the mask or something? <laughs> Why don't you guys roll maybe Arcana or Religion to try to figure out what's going on here? Because the Hydra is going to kill Veltari. Uh, 19 for Arcana. Here's the thing. When Fatboy Slim was frozen, it froze Zoe. So when Garrick is defeated and knocked out, the Hydra should be unconscious. It is not. Which leads you to believe that it is not connected to the skeleton. Yeah, it's connected to the mask, and if we destroy the mask, we don't get our reward. Or it's connected to the snowflake. Oh gosh, the 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 powers of a god would explain the ability to grant totems to other people, wouldn't it? I'll set that thing on fire. Let me carry these burdens. I will take I will take the pain to ensure that we finish the job as well as we can. Holy snap. If 
What I think you're saying is what you're saying. Are you going to take the items and walk to the sacrum while a hydra savages you and just fucking big dick it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to no-sell a mauling by this animal totem of a god. Yes. (laughs) Roland's too cool. This is playing to the triad. It's what Illmater would do. He Mm -hmm. sees that Veltari, he sees that other people are in, in pain. And he is the most capable of taking the pain. It, how how much HP do you currently have? Uh, sixty two plus forty. Okay, yeah, I hand over the mask and uh, <laughs> and the snowflake. All right, so you guys leave the essentially lobotomized skeleton of Garrick the Great behind, and then Roland carrying all of his devices and the first frost, Passion of the Christs. <laughs> across town and the way i'm going to do this is make uh nine damage rolls one for each Mm -hmm. classic hydra head Mm -hmm. theoretically it could be more i think this is the probably the most fair way of doing it yep um so how much health do you have before i hit this button the lay on hands i have for myself which is a pool of 40 and being able to cast uh cure wounds on myself i have a, a theoretical maximum of geez like over 150 Okay, now that's good, because it's ripping your flesh off, it's biting your fingers off, it's, like, just mangling you, and you're just just walking through it with a hand up, glowing with golden light, and, like, healing it as you go, mm-hmm. and just be, just embodying suffering. Yep. 56 damage. I'm down to eight hit points after that. <laughs> I think we know who gets play of the game this, uh, this mission. <laughs> so this Hydra just absolutely savages you as you walk across... All of Ilium. And I think like people start coming out of their, like their houses and looking as you just like march with the rest of the avant-garde behind you. Oh my god. That fucking song from I can't remember what it's called now, but that song from fucking Reservoir Dogs is playing while we're walking down the street. <laughs> uh, uh, little green bag? Yes. I prefer something more somber than this. It's like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd be an Ave Maria moment, frankly. Yeah, like like there's a children's <laughs> choir in the background and purse and you know, and, and last little note is just, you know. Every, like, the the image from the fear spell is still kind of lingering in his mind, which is sort of a driving force for him to keep moving, because it's like, I can't allow my worst fears to be realized. I have to shoulder this. Yeah, Zoe okay? Uh, the fear does run out after a minute, so she's not having, like, a full-on meltdown, but if you want to tell us how you're feeling. Uh, I'll actually save that for later. Okay. I'll just note Zoe is not with you. Oh, she stayed behind? I'll I'll explain that later. <laughs> Ooh, secrets. I love secrets. All right. So, Roland, you throw open the doors to the sacrum, just bleeding freely, holding the first snowflake ever created in one hand <laughs> and a bunch of alien artifacts in the other because our campaign is dope and we do dope things. <laughs> and on the other side of the room is Warden Light, who sees you and is speechless. He, like, knocks over some books or whatever he was doing and just, like, rushes over to you to try to heal you. And the the Hydra rears back as if to bite him and then suddenly becomes placid and just stops biting and just kind of shrinks away in the presence of an angel. Hey, Warden. <laughs> uh, how are you doing? Uh, sup? Uh, better than Brother Hawklight. He's, uh... <laughs> it is not a problem. It is not anything for you to worry too gravely about. Roland is a mountain of a man I, re- I respect deeply. Ro- Ro- <laughs> Roland extends his hand holding the snowflake, I, which I suspect actually kind of 
that is even rest in his hand almost. And he simply says, here is the one who committed the murder. Warden Light takes the snowflake, which actually is bloody, and he holds it with some reverence. And he looks as if he's like about to explain how important this is, but he looks at you and is like, maybe lectures another day. Um, but he takes a very, very important, powerful religious artifact and uh, an item crafted by a god, which... Oh, Parenthetically, we have spoken. Oh no, <laughs> we have spoken a couple times about uh, you guys getting one of those is incredibly important for some of your subplots. But you hand it over. the The thing that you're talking about in terms of evaluation, in terms of what the trait needs to be, is it everything plus a snowflake, or is it? Oh no, no, sorry. Uh, the, the the distinction here is you get the alien artifacts to Penny, you get your triad armor stuff back. Yeah. The snowflake was specifically a couple times we referred to how do you kill an angel? Yeah. How do you kill something like Lady Nim? And the answer was something made by a god. I'm going to make a play here with the warden. Uh-huh. Well, remember, there's the, the dragon bone staff is still in play, so this isn't like your only chance. Plus, I mean... There's probably like 30 more episodes. I'm now wishing, I'm like, I get why I gave it to uh, Roland, but oops. Uh, because you would have been killed in transit, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's that. Uh, so, <laughs> Warden, look, here's here's the deal. We, we, we had an agreement with you to bring to you the person who had been killing within Ilium. I believe that that is the mask. I believe the mask is what we are to bring to you. I don't think we need to give you that snowflake. This is a good point to maybe be clear about this because you guys didn't really get Garrick's full explanation. You got what he considers justice, but like, where did the snowflake come from? What does he see himself as earnest? There are still some unanswered questions there. So yeah, how do you guys see this? I mean, unfortunately, Roland's in a situation where he's too desperate to allow any of the artifacts to be handed off. And and, and I'm going to back up Roland for selfish purposes. Ooh. All right, so two to one. And Dora's also going to send a message to Veltari, be like, like you know, telekinetically or whatever, and be like, hey, we can use this. We He needs this. Let's be nice. And then that way he doesn't, like, murder us. <laughs> After a pause, I back down. Okay. So this is very interesting. There's a lot of threads here. Um, this might be a good point to... Mention that for longtime listeners, uh, many people know that I, my plan for each season is very skeletal. It's like a list of locations and a list of characters. And then we just kind of see what happens, explore the space. And that's because uh, if I plan things out too far ahead, I can't account for player choice as much. And so we have actually reached the end of my outline prepared for this season because past this point, I could not account for who would be alive or who would be dead. Uh, you guys could have imprisoned Alice. You could have killed Alice. You could have, well, you did kill Garrick. You could have let him live. You could have befriended him. He could be your enemy. Claire could not exist. Lady Nim could be your best friend. There's could be infinity things. So we're like in super uncharted waters here. So I just want to make it clear that all choices are totally valid and you're not like ruining anything. I, for me, I'm going to back down from the snowflake but I'm going, my, my plan here is to then be like, look, you owe, you owe me one, Roland. Like, that was what I needed, and you you made me give it up. You owe me. That's that's my vague plan. Obviously, I'm not saying this right now in front of the warden, but <laughs> I'm I'm backing down under the assumption that I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest that he owes me now. Warden Light cradles the snowflake close, this incredibly powerful 
holy artifact. And he says, thank you. You have done this town a great service. I understand that many different people have different ideas of what justice means. And uh, while I cannot support the killer in their methods, I understand their desires. But the town is safer now. Thank you. I'd like to think that Dora and Viltari share a knowing look. <laughs> yeah, this this is the look of like, okay, we we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna push this now. We we we're owed. <laughs> Light turns to Roland and says, "Would you like me to heal you, Brother Hawklight?" Ro- Roland shakes his head and says, "You do not need to concern yourself with that." <sighs> Just to clarify, did Roland ever ho- hand over the uh, the mask? No. No, Roland has the mask and all the devices. He's going to need all of them if he wants to get his armor back. That is the trade. Oh. I was I was very much under the impression that like the mask is Garrick. No, it's not. This the snowflake is Garrick. This mask allows it to have a body, but the snowflake is Garrick. Okay. Okay. The snowflake is literally the first ever snowflake empowered by a god, which allows for enough divine spark for a personality. Yeah. The mask gives the flesh and lungs and heart and brain that Garrick requires to function. Yeah, I appreciate this clarification. When I was pushing for the snowflake, I somewhat misunderstood that. <laughs> it's all good. It is a little bit complicated. Yeah. Um, and there's like some backstory and stuff that you guys didn't get, which is fine. Uh, ambiguity is totally cool. No one knows what's in that suitcase in Pulp Fiction. You guys don't need to know how Garrick got the snowflake. Yep. Um, so he's going to take that and you're going to go home and I guess rest up. I mean, the suffering is considered like a holy thing. So it's totally understandable unless you want to go get your armor now. I'm going to explain to Veltari and Dora briefly once we're outside of the, the, the sacrum what he intends to do with the stuff before he goes to cash it in and just get over with. So he's going to, once they're outside the sacrum, he's going to turn still bleeding from many wounds. He's at eight hit points, basically. Less than one-tenth of his health. And he's just going to say, when Warder appeared, I I realized that the situation outside of Ilium is far worse than I ever could have imagined. During our encounter earlier, I saw the worst possible thing that could happen to me before my eyes and I need to be able to be strong enough to be able to take on what is outside of these walls when they come down so I can so I can save those that need to be saved and correct what has been wronged out there and to do that I need the arms and armor that I that were granted to me by those that raised me before I left home for the last time and to get that I need something to trade with and that is these and he presents, you know, the, the the whole bounty of artifacts. Dora, Dora's, uh, and this is Dora being salty, not Lauren. In case anybody worries, <laughs> um, Dora is gonna be like, "That's fine, Roland. I understand, but I never want to hear you lecture about not giving the whole story again because you didn't tell us before this mission, and I think that would have been cool." I didn't realize what we were dealing with in terms of the value of it until at a later time. Also, if I hadn't carried these things on the behalf of you two, it would have been likely that both you would have had would have been dealt wounds you couldn't heal from. I understand why you need to do this. However, you have just put your priorities over what I need. I specifically needed that snowflake 
you think you could control the force of something that was attacking you at every instance? Look, here's here's my point. I needed it. And I backed down. And now I am backing down again and I'm letting you take all of these things we've earned and cashing all of them in for something just for you. You owe me. Oh, I do not owe you what <laughs> oh, you claim. You owe me. <laughs> you... You have put me in a position where you have put what you need over what I need, and I'll back down and I'll let you have it. But if a, if another item of a god turns up, that's that's my version of that set of armor. Dora's gonna leave to go find Zoe because she's tired of it. <laughs> Mom and dad are fighting. Mm. Literally, <laughs> I'm like, peace out, guys. I'm gonna check on Zoe. All right. So, what do you guys do after the mission to wind down briefly? So. I think we should start with Roland, but... Roland is going to, without healing himself, just head straight to... He's going to go to Tarsus and head straight to Penny. And I think there's just like a somber montage, like soundless, maybe with some music of you turning over the items and this this greedy glint in Penny's eyes as she is just like salivating over these very valuable things and she throws back the sheet over your armor and all you're just your beautiful polished amazing paladin set and you just kind of don it still bloody no no he's gonna carry it he's just gonna carry it back to uh back to the headquarters and that what's the what's the final image of that scene do you just like put it in a closet no it's going to he's going to set it up in the room to sort of it so it's like there's like a stand you know to kind of hold everything Mm -hmm. he's going to just sit uh in front of it and stare at the armor and then uh, collapse in tears once again, just as the memories of what the fear spell cast upon him just sort of wash over him once more. Dang, it's been a rough day for our boy Roland. It's been a day. (laughs) Rough day? (laughs) It's been a rough several months for... The only good person in Ilium. (laughs) (laughs) The last good man. I'm looking for Zoe. Zoe, what have you been up to? Uh, okay. So, uh, before I mention where she is now, mm-hmm. I want to mention something that uh, no one basically knew was happening because no one was there when it happened. Uh, but I, I, I sent you an, uh, a message, Austin, just to to note that this was something I was literally doing. Uh, had the turn in combat gotten to Zoe's turn next, mm-hmm. I was going to note that she was still under the effects of the sphere spell going to basically prepare an action to have the first person who came up to her, she was going to activate twinned magic version of chromatic orb, which is essentially like her nuke spell because she was beyond comprehensible of what was happening. She was just dominated by that fear and would be under the assumption the first person coming towards her would be Lady Nim. Mm-hmm. So when that obviously the effect finally ended... And she realized what she was kind of had set up herself to do. Because if anyone had gone up to her, she would have just unloaded. Uh, she basically left because she's in a very confused headspace right now. And even though the effects of the fear spell are gone, she is still very much mentally dominated by that fear. Like she's a, she's she's left the Hawthorne Manor completely. And I imagine she basically tried to go to the first place she could think of that she didn't imagine anyone else would be at, which would be uh, Asriel's place. 
You open Azrael's door, and inside there is a man whose head is a squid. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit, that's right. He, he's outside now. He has a house. She's like, ah, oh, gotta go now. Uh, fuck. Oh, a local. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good time. Uh, I'll, I'll say that she just tries to go somewhere out, like, in the general quiet you know, wilderness. There's a lot of empty places within Ilium mm-hmm. that are just, like, fields and stuff like that. Yeah. So she just tries to find some place kind of as far away from anyone else as she knows. Yeah. And she's just having essentially a panic attack and uh, sort of pleading into the weapon that she she was told would be a possible way for her to get out of this situation with Lady Nim for an answer. And so at this point, you cannot get a message directly to Gondor, but you did make a deal for specific assistance. So I think you sit there and you like whisper into the sword or you're just having kind of a little meltdown. And then just after you've kind of given up hope on hearing anything, uh, the voice of Gondor speaks to you and says, Retrieve an item from Lady Nim, and I will save you. Hmm. All right. I don't think she says anything. Essentially, I'd imagine uh, you just see... uh the fear kind of like uh, eyes don't actually shake, but I'm going off of the anime logic where mm-hmm. like sometimes when characters are, are like at that panic, they, they are, their pupils actually seem to shake. Uh, Zoe's are starting to slowly steady as she uh, grips one hand around the, uh, the handle of the blade. Uh, Veltari, how are you handling the post mission warm uh, cool down? I want to wait Long enough that I'm confident that Roland has left Tarsis. And I want to head there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go in and basically inquire, hey, what do you want for that mask? Oh, heck. I don't have much, but you've seen what I can do. If there's something that I can get that I can trade, let me know. Uh, Penny says to you, yeah, we're... Uh... Running a little bit high on collections because of Lyra's untimely demise. If you could uh, get either Wolf's necklace or shake down Carrie for what anything valuable she has, we could talk about it. I'm sure I can make one of those work. It's a terrible coincidence that the two people we've established owe the Lilies are also the two NPCs Veltari is closest to. I didn't do that to screw you over. That's just how it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's it's my own fault. Um, look, here's how how is about this. I'm pretty confident I can get you that necklace from Wolf, but I'm going to need the mask to do it. Will you loan me the mask to bring you the necklace? Hmm. Persuasion. Uh, Unless you're lying, which case no, deception. No, no, no. This is persuasion. I, I, I have what I think is a solid plan. <laughs> Nineteen. Penny says, "Eh, it's not like you can run away." <laughs> yeah, fair, fair dues, fair dues. Ain't nowhere to go. So, I, I want to head to Wolf mm-hmm. with the mask in my possession, but not on. Oh my God, Veltari. Veltari. I love it. Veltari. I, I, prom- I promise. I have, like, I think a really nice idea of what to do with this. And Wolf sees you coming. He's like, oh, look, it's my friend who would never betray me. <laughs> who I love very much. I am not planning on betrayal. I'm planning on something <laughs> <Okay>. far sweeter. <laughs> yeah. Hi. 
did you do good justice? I I did, but um, I need to talk to you. I struggled to do good justice today, and if there's one person in this town that I think knows when something bad is being done, I think it's you. And I think it's time that I hang up my rescuing people days, but I'm going to entrust them to you. And I pull out the mask and I sort of pop the mask on and off to show like, aha, this is this is how I do the, the Garrick thing. <laughs> when there are times that people are being hurt, this is what I use to protect them with no one knowing. And I think your time has come. You, you want me to be the hero? I want you to be the hero. Uh, 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 I, I, I don't know what to say. I, there is, however, one thing I, I need from you, and I understand if this is, if this is too much to ask. Your necklace with the snowflake. The god who gave me my ice powers has asked for me to return the powers and anything related to them, and I have to return these things. So I'm going to have to ask for the necklace, but in exchange I want to leave you as the hero, as the one who can save the people who are hurt. Uh, persuasion with advantage. Okay, uh, persuasion is 23. Yep, 23 is gonna do it. He says, no, no, no one's ever even thought of me as a friend until recently, but I, you you saying I can be a hero? Of, 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 Of course. I think you can be a hero. I think you have to be careful with it. I think you have to make sure that you definitely know someone's been bad. And I think that you need to make sure that you don't you don't punish them more than is necessary. But I trust you to do what's right. Uh, Wolf just crushes you in the <laughs> most uncomfortable hug you've ever had. And then Mr. Worm rises up out of the ground and then he hugs this hug and you are <laughs> Veltari suffocates to death the end. No. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't blame you if that's how you killed my character at this point. <laughs> no, it's just, just I mean, this is probably the best moment of his life. Look, I, I killed I killed a legitimate friend of his. I, f- I feel like this is a way to just it felt like what I needed to do. Yeah, I think this hug is like really touching and wonderful, but it's also intercut with just like flashes of a broken skeleton in a rose field and just like the roses growing up through the ribs and like the mouth and stuff. Mm. And like, I think, I think maybe what little of animation is keep was keeping the skeleton going just kind of fades from it. Like it loses the will to live and eventually it cannot even be revived by Alice's magic. My my intention here is that I feel like I now have an ace in the hole. Uh, if I need backup at any point, if I clash with the team, I now have a, a wolf I can call upon now. Yeah, wow. There's my wolf loyalty quest done. It's kind of cool that we all, except for except for no, we even Roland, we all have our own like backups. Like I have the rocks, Zoe has Claire, uh, Roland has the the warden. Like we all have our own like sidekicks. I I I take the uh, the. Dependent, and I say just there will be a day where people need saving and I will call upon you to save us and I just walk away mysterious and aloof the hero that he believes me to be <laughs> to go pawn off his necklace 
Yeah, and Penny takes it, and she, she, the necklace isn't actually valuable. Um, it was just part of the their plan to basically keep Wolf in debt, but this has proved that you can work for them in the same way that Roland had to basically prove himself. Yeah. And they, they you know, Wolf isn't actually a profitable yeah. person to have under your thumb. So. I do want to say while I'm there, just like, look, I, I know this isn't worth anything. I know that you just, you wanted to see that I can do this. If there's one favor I can ask of you, and I know that I'm not really in the bargaining position, but if you could maybe not let Wolf see that uh, that ended up here, that would that would help me. I try and uh, I try and do these reclamations as under the table as I can. Penny says, "I mean, I have a price, but I don't think Wolf can afford it. So your secret's probably safe with me." That's all right, as long as he doesn't turn up with the price. Then, uh, yeah, if you could keep it out of his eyes, that'd that'd help me a lot. But uh, pleasure doing business with you. All right, so for the final scene of this arc, Theodora, what do you do after a mission in which you converted a good friend to your evil religion and then you murdered a character? I mean... You are the one who pulled off the mask, so that's your that's your kill. Your KD ratio went up. No, Dora feels good. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to my room. Uh, I'm gonna, of course, I'm going to write in my Ganny journal to tell him, hey, guess what? I killed someone today, all for you. I love you. Yeah, and he was the and he was actually basically a puppet of another god. So, yeah, um, and then I'm going to work on because it's not ready yet. Zoe's sweet Ganny outfit. Yeah, do you want to describe that, or you guys want to have a font fashion montage next episode? We'll do that later. We'll do that later. So, Dora, as you're as you're um, you know knitting up cool eyeballs into this scary, spooky dress that you're going to give your friend, who is currently crying at the bottom of a hill somewhere. <laughs> Um, you receive a message from Gonador. Right. And he says, Tell the Traveler that war is coming. Huh. So I guess it wasn't Veltari. And then go back to sewing. <laughs> okay. The one thing that's interesting is like, Roland has off and on prayed to you know the tried of various ways but has never gotten an answer at least since he's been in the walls does anything happen that he notices while he's just sort of overwrought with fear and in front of the arms he's been finally able to recover gods don't intervene as a rule they sometimes appoint champions they tell stories they give out baubles yeah. but you have to be a pretty high level cleric to actually get their attention. And even then they answer in short vagaries. Right. Um, the fact that Ganador talks to anyone is actually a pretty huge breach oh, yeah. of godly etiquette. And is like one of the disgusting things about him. It's, it's not, yeah, it's not so much. He's looking for like a, an overt answer, but just simply an indication, you know, it's almost like asking for, is there, if there's any, if I'm staying true to what I need to do to fight back against the forces that threaten threaten the lands, any sign would be welcome, you know. Yeah, I think that that's the ending image is Roland praying in front of his gleaming white armor and Dora just humming a song and sewing a creepy dress, and her god is just chatting to her, and yours is silent.
As always, I'd like to thank Overclocked Remix for our theme music, which includes Acoustic Jam at the Lucifer Alpha, an arrangement of Biohazard from Snatcher, Simply Be Grooved, an arrangement of Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts, and Mystic Chemicals, an arrangement of Mystic Cave and Chemical Plant Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog. Executive producers for July 2017 are Kerstine Haslinger, Jade, Extellaris, Joseph Timbrello, The Cult of Gorfanax, Irving Royale, Andrew Grothen, Paul Mullen, Levi the Young, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Brent, Anthony Sauvier, Melissa Nielsen, Dawn, Eugene T., Connor Reynolds, Sarah Likens, Pruitt Holcomb, Artemis BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Bristol, Francois V, Tarka, Shyness, Dennis Pancake Detlefsen, Ripter Stormwolf, Miko from Finland, Dennis Bengston, Josh Mosier, Indigo Van Dane, Allison Ansel, Sydney Marzing, Justa Jester, John Potts, Kevin Dobbins, Savarden Akrasimova, Brady Warner, Kitty Foe, James Neely, Marissa Donaldson, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Ruby Offer, Matthew Weber, Sarah Hanley, Melissa Booker, Cameron Abbas, Dylan, Gary Sayon, Anna Stuhlfar, Sean, the host of Funk Dunk Plays, Giorgio Renna, Harrison Andrew, Kevin Sidlow, Christopher Charlo, Jorit, Viger Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, Athos, and Ingmar Gremmen. You can join this list by supporting the show at patreon.com slash and you can also help support Chris at patreon.com slash recap, and you can support Laura at patreon.com slash laurakbuzz. You can also help support the show indirectly by finding us on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, YouTube, or probably other places as well, and liking, subscribing, and commenting there. And finally, I just want to thank all of our amazingly talented fan artists out there. You make doing this show infinitely more fun. And I just want to shout out the incredible Cosmignon, Jessica Sims, Eileen, Savarden, Tempest, Levi, and Okidokai. I think I speak for everybody here at the show when I say your incredible work inspires us every week to do our best. Thank you.